0: Our guest today is the writer of some of your favorite country songs ever. You may even hear people like Luke Combs or Eric Church singing these smash hits on your local radio. Our guest has played for a full stadium and stepped onto the Grand Ole Opry stage. He's got plaques, BMI awards, CMA award nominations, and more than likely, they're all hanging next to a 10-point buck in his house. We met through our booking agent, Austin Mullins, at Austin's surprise wedding. More on that later. And we just had one of the best conversations that I've had with a fellow artist about our stories uh, and just kind of where we come from in a long time. I knew after we hung out, I'd love to have this guy on the podcast. Probably still recovering from his hangover after the Dogs' national championship win. It's Ray Fulcher. What's up? What up,
1: dude? <laughs> Not much. You're you're right. I still uh, still recovering. I've watched, I've watched the uh, replay of of that championship game. Um, I think five times now. Five. So relive it but see there's this thing where it's the regular broadcast and then you can watch it with the home like the the UGA radio announcers oh before. that's cool I would do and that too. you can watch it with Jimbo Fishers kind of like breaking it down while oh, like watching. commentary so I've done the whole I've run the whole gauntlet of ways that you can watch the game. <laughs> you've been a yeah. huge dogs fan for life
0: right I mean that's kind of
1: like yeah 10. I mean so since I was a little kid I was a fan and then I so saw I went to school there and while I was there which some people don't know is I uh I worked I was a student assistant with the football team and actually worked with the quarterbacks. That's right. And so I kind of like, you know, um now and I'm removed from that. I'm still just mostly a fan, but I'm also, I, I was like, for, you know, from the end, I was on the inside for a while. So I, I still feel right. part of, it, you know, so what, uh, what quarterbacks
0: were there when you were there?
1: Stafford was there. Um, oh, we, just casually, got, and and yeah. he's playing
0: in a game this Sunday, right? Just yeah, happens he's to be playing super a, little, cool.
1: a little pickup game this do you, Sunday. Do you and
0: Maddie's staff ever just text? You ever just you call?
1: know what's so Matt? We kept up for a while, and then like he kind of changed his number, but he doesn't have social media. But his wife, that's does, right. So I keep up with him kind of through his wife. Like we've we've exchanged a bunch of messages. Like hey, tell Matt this, and she'll oh, go, that's
0: awesome, man. he will go.
1: I'll tell him, and then he says he's so proud and like watching you and stuff. So dude,
0: it's cool to hear yeah. stories like that where like somebody like yourself and Matt Stafford were in college together. And now yeah. what you've both been through, you actually have kind of cool, similar stories of like being somewhere taking some yeah. time and then having these boom explosion moments. Like sure. I actually love that. That's really cool. I, I totally forgot about that. You told me that you uh, works with quarterbacks at Georgia, right. but now it's all coming back to me. I'm like shit, that's actually sick.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm just happy for him that he gets a shot at that. Dude. You know, it was in Detroit for so long, and and um, you know, and, and kudos to him, hats off to him for kind of sticking it out there when he could, you know, and did his best there, and just finally was probably just like, Hey, I want to go give myself a shot to one hundred percent.
0: And now he is. How did you now get? To...
1: Yeah, how did you get into music? Were you doing music in college? Was it and a post college thing? I wasn't. It was in college, but I didn't. I didn't pick up a guitar until college. So, I mean, I always loved music all kinds of different music, but country was my favorite growing up, but it really didn't become a thing where I kind of thought about picking up guitar. Cause I was so into music, but the thing that kind of that catalyst moment for me was I saw early Eric church at a uh, Georgia theater there in Athens. And he, I remember just something about the way his show made me feel and the songs made me feel. I just was like, man, this is, this i'm like feeling this too much to not at least explore this and you know when i picked up a guitar it was just gonna be a hobby but then next thing you know it's like well maybe i can uh learn to play some songs and it's like oh maybe i'll play some covers at the corner bar you know the mexican joint downtown yeah yeah. and then it goes to well maybe i can write a song and next thing you know you're like i kind of want to do this you know and so it's that process you know
0: do we have scary similar stories and, uh, that's why I connected with you so much. Like I felt like every part of your story that you were telling me,
1: yeah, you know, I we had a-
0: it was like, mm-hmm. no way I'm the same way. Yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like we're the same way where it was a hobby. It was a hobby. And then you found writing songs and that's kind of yes. where it's like, Oh, I'm addicted to this, like a drug. Right. Like tell me about those first songs that you wrote and that process of like falling in
1: love with music. You know, the first song I remember writing was kind of, so I went to school, I actually have a master's in education. So I was going to be a teacher, football coach, like that's what I was going to do. Um, And I think my first realization that, hey man, I should probably, maybe I should actually try to look into this uh, music thing as, as doing it, you know, for more than just a hobby is I was student, my first week of student teaching, you know, which is, I was excited about doing that, but kind of, I remember I was sitting in the back Observing that first week, and when I should have been taking notes, I was like writing this song that kept <laughs> in my head, and I was writing. This. It was the first song I wrote, and I just remember going like, you know, maybe I should. I'm I'm wanting to do this while I'm sitting here training to do what I went to school for. Yeah. So maybe that's a sign. And so, yeah, it was that one. And then, you know, I wrote a few more, and then the, a band that I that me and a buddy started back home called County Line. We just started playing those. mostly covers, but inserting these songs that I had been writing into, you know, our kind of acoustic sets around town. And uh, that was kind of the first, you know, back then you go, you write a song and you just go, it feels like it's so taxing to write one song and you're, you think it's good and all, and then you realize it's not. And then you realize that people are just, you know, it's like anything, you have to get in shape, right? You don't know, you have to get your brain in shape to write. And that's something that you don't know until you move to Nashville. But um, I just remember, you know, thinking those songs were good and then quickly realizing when I moved here that they were no good at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think
0: everybody goes through that really steep learning curve of like, kind of, you know, you got a little attitude. You're like, I'm gonna be a hit songwriter. And then you go to a writer's round and hear, you know, oh. people with number ones or whatever. And you're like, oh, okay. I need to throw away everything I've ever worked on. Yeah, start this is from bit, scratch. This is, this is yeah, garbage. So yeah. what, When? what year did you move to town?
1: Uh, May of 2014.
0: And how long so. from 2014 was it until that kind of first moment where, and I'm curious to hear what you think the moment is yeah. of like, oh, I'm doing this for real. And like, I'm not just a kid playing in the college bars.
1: Yeah. You know, I still, you know, it's crazy. Sometimes I still feel that way. <laughs> um, but you know, for me, it was, and my, my story, you know, I, I feel like fate and like put trying to put yourself in good positions and all like, that's a real thing because I met, obviously this is the moment I'm talking about is not this one, but it leads to it. Uh, Before anybody knew who he was, before I knew who he was, I met Luke Combs three days after I moved to town. And he wasn't even, he hadn't even moved to town yet. He hadn't even moved. He just happened to be staying on uh, the one guy's couch, the one guy that I knew in town, his couch, couch. John Langston. He happened to be staying on his couch for the weekend. And so we met. And then when he moved back, he moved to town that September. We started writing. And I just remember going. I've never heard anything like this guy. Like, this is, this is incredible. And, and if I'm wrong on that, like, I don't know anything because, you know, so anyway, we started writing a bunch and I, but I think that the moment, you know, and I had a, this is before we had anything going on, but I always had a feeling like, man, this dude. And we just wrote these songs that made me feel something mm-hmm. and it made me feel like that I was aligned with like my truth as far as what I wanted to be saying and doing. Right. And so that, I was at peace with that, but I also did have this feeling in the back of my mind that like, man, this dude is going to make these songs something one day. And I think the moment that I realized that, that realization that you're talking about is, um, I was back home visiting home and I was in the McDonald's parking lot and I went to get out of the truck and I heard like something familiar on the radio and I turned it up and it was the first time I heard when it rains, it pours on the radio. And I was like, Oh my gosh! Is this really happening? Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and for me, it was that that moment where I go, "Okay, this, man, we're really—I guess we're doing it, Harry." You know, yeah, we're, really exactly. it, Harry. we're really doing
0: it. We're really doing it.
1: Yeah. So
0: that's wild. So how long? Uh, so 2014 is when you moved to town. How long mm-hmm. until the parking lot moment?
1: It, it was. So I moved in May of 2014, and it was June of. 2017 when that song went right mm. what is your
0: i mean obviously you're an incredible artist as well and you're probably moving to town you're taking meetings i'm sure you're getting a ton of no's on the publishing side and the artist side like mm. what are those three years like as the new guy in town because i don't think a lot of people understand it's really oh. cool to have the parking lot moment and it's yep. fun to tell the story how you moved to town yeah, but I think the in-between just gets skipped over a lot of times, and I'd love to hear, like, your kind of take on that. Yeah. I mean, it was,
1: number one, the scariest thing I've ever done was mm. move because I didn't know anybody. Um, you know, it was a uh, – you know, that in-between was very trying. And, I mean, it's it's exhausting in a lot of ways because you've never, like – the number – so when you come to town, you already know, all right, the chances are way against me. Yeah the odds. And then you get here and you see the people that are so talented and everything going on Everything feels like it's moving at warp speed. And you're like, how in the world can I ever, like, can I, can I compete? And so it's a lot of like questioning to yourself. And, but I think, um, those, the first couple of years was so kind of frustrating because, even when we, even when I would write a song that I was like, okay, if this isn't it, then, I don't know what is, and that was it was still a no, yeah, you know. Yeah. And then even you know when I would record something or go play for somebody and feel super good about the meeting on the artist side, it was still a no. Until so you go, oh man, what like am I just? Is it just like am I not good enough, or is do I need to keep keep, uh, you know, keep scratching and clawing and, and figuring it out? Because you you know you get. But then there's a thing in your head where you're like, well, you get 99 no's before the first yes. Well, there's like yeah. I've got I've five of them. So I've got 94 no, <laughs> go. you know. But that is those, a those mindset
0: things? that not a lot of people have, though. And I think right. that's special. And I, th- I, I love I felt that the first time that we talked. And yeah. I, I do feel like your story of sticking it out and hearing a bunch of no's is really, really cool. And, and that mindset is special, dude. Like that, well, that's I not think- a lot of people have that. For me, and I
1: I'll, I'll always say like, when people go like, what was the moment it kind of shifted for you. And I remember, a, a, a vividly remember a moment where Luke and I were both frustrated because we were both getting those on the publishing side, the record side. And I remember we just were like, uh, what do we do? Cause we feel like these are really good and we don't know kind of what way to turn or right. how to get better. And then finally, I remember we had a conversation we go, hey, we don't really understand what we're doing wrong or what the blueprint is, or kind of like how to play the publishing game or whatever. So like, what if we just really lean into what the type of songs and the type of music that we're going to be proud of Mm -hmm. if nothing else ever came from it? just lean into the stuff that like we do best, see where the chips fall. And so that moment where we kind of let go of trying to figure it out and just kind of lean into the music is when, Six months later, he was exploding on yeah, the scene. Yeah, yeah. And then all those songs that we wrote in that kind of time period where we go, hey, let's just do our thing, wound up being on that first you know, record. So that was a huge lesson that I learned from that kind of time period. Yeah, it's cool when I feel like
0: the Luke Combs explosion and the similar explosion that you're having right now is – born of authenticity it is saying like i understand that some people do this or the nashville Mm -hmm. program or political system or game wants me to be this thing but i do this thing Mm -hmm. and i do it really well and i love it because it makes me feel that eric church moment that i had at at that college show and so i'm gonna die on that sword and it's really scary
1: but i actually think it feels like jumping off a bridge yeah 100 percent
0: because what you're saying is, hey, I think I know better than you, Nashville sure. person in an office who says, what if you guys gave me another song about a girl and, and had Truck in there at this point? Sure. And you're like, or we're going to write this song called When It Rains, It Pours. And it the yeah. chorus changes every time. like I'm sure, Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure everyone in town was like, hey, look at me. That will never be a hit. And you're like, yeah. I think it is. And then you did it and he did it and you did it. That's sick,
1: dude. Yeah. It was just kind of one of those where it was, you know, and I'm sure you, you feel the same way in your own story where you go, at least for me, I was like, well, I don't want to be, be like, okay at doing this thing and okay at doing this thing. And like, let's just lean into number one, find our strengths and our weaknesses. And of course work on the weaknesses, of course, but really dive into those strengths and like dive into why are we here and what do what kind of mark do we want to leave and like if it doesn't align with that then maybe that's not something we should be focusing on right now you know and oh, again like, so it scary. is definitely taking a chance and so scary um but we had got enough nose trying to just like be the everything person That yeah. we were. Just like, well, what do we got to lose you know so and and that's what's cool
0: to me is like Because I think that there's a lot of people who could be listening right now and they're in the season of no's. And what you guys have to offer is like the no's are actually freedom. To be told no over and over again, eventually you go, well, fuck it. I don't have anything to lose. So I'd rather die on my sword doing what I love than die on some random sword of somebody telling me how to be or how to act or how to dress or how to sing or how to – I love that. I think that is an underrated – underrated message especially in today's day and age man
1: yeah because it's hard you know i mean especially with you know with social media and just kind of seeing what everyone else is doing sometimes it's hard to kind of find your own true north 100 percent,
0: 100 percent. we all struggle with it and yep. i'm uh i'm just a big fan man i think uh i'm gonna start asking you some okay big old questions here there's no wrong yeah. answers they're random and just you know whatever comes to the dome here we go cool. If there was a pill that every human being could take that makes them instantly feel or know something, what would you put in that pill?
1: Oh. Ooh. Ah. I think. I mean, I think just, I think peace, true peace. Yeah. I really think that, just like that um, feeling of just kind of being aligned with who you, who you are, who you want to be, and just, you know, Loving everybody and feeling loved. I think that that feeling of peace is is so underrated and so necessary. So yeah, if I had something to get to the world, <laughs> literally just feeling at peace, man. I feel like we'd all be in a real good spot then. Oh, hundred percent. What you
0: said about like being known and loving other people too, like I think we'd be shocked at how many people are doing bad things or hurting other people because they haven't felt that. And I'm I'm 100%. so curious to see that, like if you know, if we could give these people these pills, which, you know, there are some legal reasons why we can't. Right. Um,
1: <laughs> well, yeah, because and this is a deeper conversation here, but it's like a lot of times, you know, hurt people hurt people. Where it's Dude, like it's real people that normally it's usually a a, a I feel this way. And so I, this is my way of lashing out. Whereas, you know, because n- nobody's we're not we're not born um, with, with wanting to hurt others. It's like yeah, yeah. You, you go through something and then somehow that comes out and so um, you know and it makes me it makes me personally just sad when I see people hurting you know and so.
0: Yeah right. I had this conversation yeah. with my parents the other day which was just like I try really hard when I see somebody or something that I don't like to really sit there for a second and and think mm-hmm. about okay but like who hurt this person Yeah, and what are their experiences? What is their brain chemistry, all all these things? And would I be acting different if I was them? And the answer is most likely no. Most likely no, yeah. (laughs) Immediately I'm like, shit, yeah. I just try to love on people. Yeah. Yeah, it's harder said than done. But uh, let's see. When you're laughing the hardest, who are you usually with?
1: Oh. Um... Luke's pretty funny, man. He makes me laugh really hard. My roommate, Matt Chase, I'm always laughing at him. And I'm a couple of like, uh, I have a group of buddies back home and when I kind of get with them is usually when I'm in a super free headspace. And so yeah, just yeah. kind of in the nature of that relationship is very, you know, um, it's an unplug for me. And so, getting getting some of that and it's not it's a couple different groups and a couple of different people but um but yeah man what a good feeling right oh when just there's nothing better like those high school yeah. or college
0: friends who deeply know yeah. you yeah and and they'll text you dude congrats on the number one the next text is just a a roast yeah. you're like
1: <laughs> a little roast yeah
0: yeah exactly it, you need it you need it to those feel are, normal and safe ones. and yeah. sane and no, dude, I, I'm the same way. I have a group of friends back home, and I always feel, like, so um, unplugged when I'm back home. That's a great you, word. The
1: they keep you just, like... 100%. You know.
0: Yeah. Yes, it's, it's like this bou- these, like, bumpers that kind of, when you're getting really kind of, like, frazzled or, like, starting to take off, the, the, you need those people in your life, especially the ones who make you laugh. Like, yeah. hey, man, it's not yeah. that serious, and yeah. uh, I saw you puke at a party when you were <laughs> right. 21. So I don't care that you have cool stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Absolutely. Do you have a mission statement? Do you have a mantra? Do you have anything that like you have tattooed on your body, written on your wall, something that you say or hear every day?
1: So there's not a, um, I don't have I don't have a tattoo, but um, I, always, I had this thing, this kind of self-mantra that I always would tell myself when I moved to town, because I moved to town a little bit, I was like in my mid twenties before I even kind of started thinking about moving to town. And sure. I was only three years from being 30 when I moved to town. So, you know, when I got to thinking, I was like, man, what are the odds that a guy like me who don't know how it works, who don't know anybody and who is older than most, like that moved to town, what are the odds that I could ever quote unquote make it sure. as an artist, as a whatever, and I would always say this thing to myself, well, if there's, if it's never happened, just let's just pretend it's never happened. There's gotta be a first. Mm. So I always just kept, and that's, I still use that. I go, and when I feel like the odds are against me or when I go, man, I just feel like this probably isn't likely. I'll go, well, it's happened once and there's gotta be a first, you yeah. know, if it's never happened before, then there's gotta be a first. Dude, so I, I just, love that. That's one thing that, that I kind of, I'm gonna um, steal that from you, dude. <laughs> man. I heard somebody court. the other day. Um, oh, it was somebody
0: on the Bengals? They were talking about, about how like we don't consider ourselves underdogs, and right. I was like, interesting. And and he kept talking. He went on to say, like the only thing they kept saying this whole season is why not us?
1: Yep. It can be anyone.
0: Yep. Someone's got to play a stadium. Somebody's gotta got to win it. the Super Bowl. Why yep. not us? We put in the work. We like yep. that's a that's a really and I use this word in a good way, like dangerous mentality. You can sure. start doing some crazy cool shit when you're like, it's got to well, happen.
1: It's empowering. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, dude, I love that. I was not expecting that. I, I really love <laughs> that. What do you think your younger self would say to you right now? He's, he's going to pop in the back door there yeah. and you gonna have a conversation. He knows everything that you've done. What do you think he's yeah. saying to
1: you? I think he would probably say, cause he knows, he knows me and knows that that I um, sometimes undervalue the things that I've done and overvalue the things that I'm like going for. Yeah, and so I think he would tell me to slow down a little bit more than I do, <laughs> and to, um, and I I think he would say, "Hey man, the stuff you have done already is sort of beyond our wildest dreams. So if it all ended tomorrow, like." you can still be proud of yourself. And I think sometimes I, sh- I struggle with like, man, there's just that next level or yeah, there's yeah, that yeah, next yeah. Like, thing is, you know, I have a record deal now, but then it's like the next wins, you know, the, the big hit. And then it's yep. the, whatever comes after that, you know? And so can you get I three think, in a
0: row. Can you get a triple right. play? Can yeah. you sell 10,000? T- I mean, dude, it never yeah. ends. And it it's never literally ends. the same so, shit I struggle with hundred percent. And so
1: for me, I think he would come in and say like, Hey, man, you're
0: just playing with house money now. So
1: yeah. enjoy it. Enjoy <laughs> it. You
0: know, so. It's cool because both of the things that we just talked back to back about are really good for me to hear, which is like, why not me? And you're kind of playing with house money, which is like, yeah, there's no reason to be scared. There's like, sure. you, you kind of yeah. are already winning in a great way because yeah. you put in a lot of work. So yeah. enjoy it. The goal was not to get somewhere and then stress about getting to another somewhere. <laughs> Because then, like you said, it's perpetual. Dude, it it is perpetual. And I think we both had enough cool things happen in our life where you are at least one of those moments, you aren't as happy as you thought you'd be. Uh And you're like, this is weird.
1: This This is is, strange. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Have you ever had a moment like that where, like, you're sitting there at a number one party, you're about to go out on stage, and you're like,
1: I'm not feeling how I'm supposed to be feeling well i think yes and the reason is i think and i've tried i've like analyzed that before and gone like, that's why, why i'm asking because i'm at i have that thought all the time and i'm like i think it's because when we're imagining it all we're imagining is the joy that's attached to it mm-hmm. and there is that in that moment as well but what we i think what we don't take into account when we're dreaming about it or thinking about it is all the other stuff that's around it which is still um our humanness right like our 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 what's next desire, our anxiety about, oh, my gosh, like I'm here now, what I do, all that stuff that's still around it, we don't take into account when we're we're just thinking, oh, it's just this monumental thing and, like, life's complete. Yep, That's just not the way life works, but that's how our brains work when we think about what it will be like. I think you nailed it, dude. And I I try so hard in those moments
0: to be like, no, this is enough. This is cool. It can also be complex where, like, I can be happy and sad at the same time. I can be loving where I am and be like, but I have a stomach ache or I'm really tired. Well, I had to
1: learn that two things can be true at once, you know, and that's the thing that I've had to learn because I drove myself crazy a lot if I ever felt that way of going like, you know, almost this, which is another deeper conversation, but almost this kind of sense of like guilt or shame about not Mm. feeling a certain way. And then I go, oh, I'm just... Also, I'm just human, and so yeah, I think yeah, that yeah. that's what it is, you know. Yeah, so. just
0: giving yourself that grace to be like,
1: yeah, yeah, just feel all of it. Yeah, that's great. I'm, a, I'm allowed to feel all
0: that. Hundred so. percent. What do you think that your superpower is? What do you think that you, a part of you that's really undervalued, or like, or the thing that you know, you're like, you know what? I might not be blah or blah or blah, but I'm a damn good X Y Z.
1: Yeah. Um, so I feel like I am a. I would like to think that I am I try to be a tremendously good listener, mm. um, and a detailed listener, um, and I don't know if that's undervalued or overvalued, but I know, think that's a, undervalued, especially today. <laughs> yeah, um, I I try to be, and you know, as far as as far as my you know, in my artistry and songwriting stuff. I mean, I think, I mean, one thing I don't know this about myself, but Matt sometimes will say to me, um, he's like, you're, he's like, you're really good at, at, he's like, when I hear you explain something or in a, like in a lyric, Mm. I can like actually see it because you put details in there that allow me to see it. And so there's a lot of people good at that, but, and I've never stopped to think, but I'm just taking Matt's word for it that, Hopefully I'm good at that. Cause that's, I really like cherish that about say like Eric church writing, especially that early stuff. I could just kind of like see it. Oh yeah. And that's what I strive to kind of, to paint that, to paint a picture with words. Um, you know, and not that every song's like should be a, a bluebird song, like a, you know, sure. some, some songs are more about melody, but um, and feel and all that stuff. But of course. I would like to think that that's something that I am, that I, uh, and decent at so. yeah well and and really
0: good songwriting is just really good listening it's really good yeah. paying attention to the world sure. around you because everyone has been through a breakup but as a yeah. songwriter mm-hmm. you go you know like i'm just trying to think of a cool detail like and that grass ain't even grew back where i used to park my car whatever like sure. whatever that sam hunt lyric is it's like that's a great like, see it's like you see that correct yeah. And, and the visual, instead of saying, and this is why I was so attracted to country music over anything else is because I'd hear songs like these boots by Eric church and go, holy shit. This guy just gave me a movie in three minutes and pop music to me, the difference between country and pop is often not always that pop music seems to be the soundtrack to the movie and country music is the script
1: is the movie oh yeah I love that it's like
0: more than once to save my ass from those cops and two like that's the fucking I see Eric Church running away from blue and red lights he used very minimal word economy yet he told a full scene of the movie exactly and all of that is listening that is listening and paying attention to your surroundings so I think underrated well
1: thank you I mean (laughs) I would say and if there's one thing where I think it's a it's a blessing and a curse is I feel like I'm sometimes hyper aware of when someone walks in a room, how they feel. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's great. Cause I'm like, uh, you know, I can be knowledgeable about that and go, okay, I'm sensing this. And then there's an opportunity to maybe talk about it or not just being able to sense it so I can yeah, yeah. the interaction. But on the other side of it, it's the same thing. I'm so, I'm like, so aware of that, that, that I'm some then then thinking about it going like so-and-so is could they're off. Something's going on. Yeah. It's torture. yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, I, I, do, I do feel that and know that about myself, but, um, but you gotta be careful even then to not kind of take everyone's, everyone's weight and put it on <laughs> sure. your you know? So feel everyone else's problems for yeah. sure. All right.
0: What is one of the biggest butterfly effect moments of your life? You know, where like that, if if I didn't go to that right, or if so and so didn't cancel, or do you have any stories like that?
1: Yeah, um, you know, I think about that was when I met Luke because John was John was the only guy I knew in town. But I also kind of on a whim just texted John. It was my third day in town. It was my birthday, and, oh, wow. and I was going to kind of sit at home and go, you know, I don't know anybody. So, but I only met. I had only met John once, but I just remember texting him going, hey, I know you just moved to town, too. It's my birthday. I know you don't know me that well, but do you want to go do something? He was like, dude, I don't know anybody either. Let's go. <laughs> but it was that night when he goes, hey, i got to get back to the apartment. i got to let my buddy in who stayed on the couch. Happened no to me. freaking yeah. way. Yeah, so that's how that happened. And imagine happened. you also, don't
0: send that text. and you right. I mean, you probably would have met Luke anyway, but, but. that night – had to happen for that reason that's awesome. but that night i got
1: i got to meet him before we got to know each other that night before he moved to town and it was just kind of us mm-hmm. versus running into him later on at 10 roof revival when maybe we didn't strike up that same connection sure so that's one example um there is a songwriting example that i always go back to is uh which is probably it's maybe my favorite song that luke's recorded that we've cut or that he's cut but uh the day we wrote "I Got Away With You," I woke up feeling terrible, and just mm-hmm. wasn't like a COVID thing. It was just like, I was, my stomach was hurt, and I just felt bad. I've been writing like crazy, and was just burnt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I just remember going like, "Lord, just show up," and like, even if it's your B game, like, Luke could at least sing something really good. Yeah, and yeah. yeah. So, and then it ended up being that day, and I, I mean, I was so close to canceling. You know, oh my so. gosh. Yeah. Those, those moments in
0: life where I've done the same thing, or I've had somebody cancel and then you kind of like join two rights or something like yeah. that. And you'll yeah. get one of your favorite songs and you're like, whoa, what would have happened? Yeah, or, do you ever think about this? Like you pitched an idea, let's say to Luke and yep. you could have pitched that idea like two weeks earlier to somebody else. And it's just a voice memo that sits in everyone's phone versus being a number one versus yeah. being played to a stadium that's dude, insane <laughs>
1: crazy it's all the stuff man that you think about i mean if if you know an if then or what it, you know phew, that game can go forever but yeah those are those are a couple that i'm very thankful for
0: yeah 100 percent. i'm sure all right dude you've been awesome i'm gonna ask you just one more question yeah and uh just again i i Really hope you know how big of a fan
1: of you I am. You're just one of the people. um... Thanks. Since I met you, man, I got to uh, see, man, it was funny. Like, after that day, I started kind of noticing, man, so much was happening and is happening in your career. So super proud of you and, like, some of the stuff that you were saying that day was, like, some of your frustrations. Like, I finally got to see, like, the breakthrough shortly after, talking to you about it so yeah dude thank you so much thanks it's cool to like
0: come up with with cool people it just makes me super happy so uh we we need to write a song and we need to hang out more Mm -hmm. and all the things we do do, buddy absolutely one more question for you and i'll let you get out of here is there a time in your life where you felt like i'm doing exactly what i should be doing if so when did you have that moment where you're like whoa i was born to do this
1: yes um and I'll say like, to, for me in, in music, which I've always felt like since I started, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but never more than I, when I, I got to debut a song at the Grand Ole Opry on my debut, thinking, honestly not knowing at all how it was going to go over,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then being totally surprised when the place went absolutely bonkers at the end of it. And I was just playing by myself And I was so taken aback by that moment that I just, one of the many emotions I had in Mm -hmm. that moment, like, man, I was right. I'm supposed to be doing this. Yeah. Did you know that
0: my parents were there the night Oh, wow, that's awesome. And I didn't know this either. And so my mom's like, who's who's coming on the podcast? I'm like, oh, it's Ray. She's like, we, they went with like my grandparents or somebody was in town and they went to the Opry. They had no idea that we had the connection that we have or whatever through Austin and all these people. And, um, and she was like, yeah, we were at the Opry when he made his debut. So tell him that she said it was one of the coolest moments that she's ever watched from an artist because, Oh man, everyone around her was crying. It was like just this palpable thing yeah. of like, you were living your dream. So I think that's the perfect yeah. way to wrap it up is like that crazy fucking story. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's really cool that they were there, man. It's, uh, yeah. gosh, man. They said it was cool. incredible, dude. Well, many more, hell, but... operas, many more Opries, many more Opries to come for you. I'm excited for you, man.
1: Excited for you too, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, of course, dude. Talk to you soon. See you, bud. See ya.
0: All right, that's another episode of Why Are We Here? Ray Fulcher is just, just good people. I love talking to people with... Really cool and relatable stories like that because he really just feels like your neighbor or the guy you went to high school with or whatever. Like, he's just kind of like your everyman and the fact that he's crushing it and has all the Luke Combs number ones and is playing stadiums with Luke and playing the Grand Ole Opry and getting nominated for CMA Awards. it's just It just makes you really happy. Uh, really good guy. Check out his music and his socials. Remember to follow us, subscribe, and we got a bunch more episodes coming at you. ASAP Rocky style. We love you guys. Talk to you soon. This is why are we here? Then then they'll play the little music. Why are we
1: here? <laughs>